You are Locked On Cardinals, your daily St. Louis Cardinals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Cardinals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. My name is Lucas Smith. I am your host. Today is Thursday, October the 22nd. We've got a good show for you guys today. It's a lot of World Series Game 2 reactions as the Tampa Bay Rays have evened up the World Series at a game apiece. Things, in my opinion, that you just absolutely love to see. So we'll talk about that. We'll talk about Blake Snell. We'll talk about Brandon Lyle. We'll talk about all of it. And we'll also talk about a move that I think the Cardinals can make in the offseason to help some of their outfield uh, outfield issues. It's not a top-tier move, and I'm sure that I'll get some flack for it. But I will go ahead and share that move anyways and my thoughts on it as well. And... Uh, yeah, we'll see how it goes, and we will get right into it. Game number two was a good one, uh, but but first, actually, I'm going to back up. There was a report, or I guess not a report, in fact, that the game one of the World Series was the least watched World Series game since game one, or game three, rather, of 2008, um, and a very just poorly watched game, and, you know, obviously, I can't argue with, with the facts, so that, uh, you know, not a lot of people watched it, and I just want, I just want to give my thoughts on that real quick. The fact that the World Series game number one wants to watch, people feel like with everything going on, all of the, the social justice stances that the MLB is trying to make and you know, really all sporting, um, sporting institutions are trying to make and everything and certain groups of people saying, oh, I'm, I'm done with baseball, I'm not watching it anymore. Keep politics out of sports and all that nonsense. People are going to say, oh, see, we, we told you, nobody's going to watch the game if you keep bringing up politics and, and Black Lives Matter and social justice issues that are actually good. We need to be having these conversations about social justice. Um, but the the reason that that game was not watched as much as games in the past had, in my opinion, little or nothing to do with the social justice stances that Major League Baseball, Los Angeles Dodgers, Tampa Bay Rays have made. It had everything to do with the fact that the Tampa Bay Rays are in the World Series. No disrespect to Rays fans, but there just aren't a lot of you. And the fact that it was a Tuesday night. That's a rough night to start any sport, especially baseball. That already, I understand it has its viewing issues, but I mean, shoot, two two days ago or two, or two days before that on Sunday, I'm pretty sure that Game Seven was one of the most watched televised sporting events of the year, of the Game Seven of the National League Championship Series. So don't tell me that nobody watches baseball because of the social justice stances that people are uh, that that the, that the league is making. Don't don't tell me that. It's it's 100 percent, at least in my opinion, one close to 100 percent. The fact that the the Rays fan base isn't as large as, as maybe the Braves or other teams that could have made it. And it has everything to do with that and little or nothing to do with the social justice stances. That's my that's my two cents on it. That's my take. I wouldn't freak out that the, the numbers were down. It'll be okay. It was a great game. And game two was a great game as well. And I went into it thinking that it was going to rest on the shoulders of Blake Snell. And, you know, he didn't go five innings. He didn't get credited with the win. But wins aren't everything. I got it. I thought he got taken out really early. His final line ended up being four and two thirds, two earned on two hits, four walks and nine punch outs. Gave up the one home run um, to Chris Taylor in the fifth inning. And then you know Kevin Cash. I, I, I it's hard to argue with the winning formula as they did win this game. But Snell was taken out after just eighty eight pitches. Yes, he he was shaky in the fifth. He was running into some issues. I get that. But 
I, I just think if, if this game's not in October, if this game was like a regular season game, uh, I, I think Snell gets left in. I really do. Blake Snell, Cy Young Award winner, probably your top pitcher uh, on the team, even though he wasn't your game one starter. But I, he's probably the top pitcher on Tampa Bay. And I just think that if this was a regular season game, Snell gets left in. But if you're going to tell me Snell didn't step up in yesterday's performance, then you're crazy. Blake Snell pitched wonderfully yesterday, punching out nine, really fooling the Dodgers. Had a couple of punch outs looking. Really looked good. Didn't allow a hit to the fifth inning. Dude was masterful. Not only is it hard in baseball today to, 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 to do that, but it's also hard against this Dodger lineup, which is deep. One through ten is what it seems like. So Blake Snell didn't get the win, didn't go five innings. I, I still say that he stepped up big time for Tampa Bay yesterday in, in the Game 2 win. Uh, but who also stepped up was Brandon Lau. This dude has been struggling mightily this postseason. With the updated stats yesterday, he's hitting 8 for 61. Came in with just 6 hits on this postseason. Uh, now he's got 8 with 3 home runs, 5 RBIs, 2 of those home runs, and 3 of those runs driven and coming in yesterday's contest. I mean, he, he, he was, I, I, you know, I have not followed the Rays all season. I don't know their lineup, you know, as, as well as I do the Cardinals or even as well as they do the Dodgers. I feel like I know the Dodgers lineup better. But the, um, but I feel, in any lineup, if you don't have everybody going one through nine, it's going to be an issue. And they did not have Brandon Lau going for most of the postseason and for game one of the World Series. But two for five yesterday, um, you know, three, three runs driven. And that was huge for them to get to get off on the right foot because especially when you, when you have, you know, the, the Rays are not a bad team, but I, I don't think anybody... I don't think too many people think them as favorites in this game. I think most people will have them as the underdog, and I do as well. When, when you're an underdog, it's vitally important to get off on a strong foot. The Raiders were able to do that yesterday as they were up 5 nothing in the fifth, but they were really able to do it by going up one nothing in the first, especially against the Dodgers, who had kind of had an opener, if you will, or you know, a short starter in, in Gonsolin that they knew weren't, wasn't going to go very long. Um, but, you, but you had... You had, you had uh, you know... With the opener, excuse me, um, you know, the fact that they used one, two, three, four, five, six, seven pitchers last night to get through nine innings, um, you know, that, that that just makes the quick start all that more important because their bullpen was going to be used today and it got used a lot. Dustin May struggled. Kelly gave up a run as well. So it was really important for the Rays to get out to a, an early lead in game two. And they did that with Brandon Lau. And even though Blake Snell wasn't able to go five, he didn't get the win, all these all these things. He pitched well, and then you had Nick Anderson, Fairbanks, Aaron Loop, and, and Diego Castillo, the, 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 the stable, I think is what they call it, um, the, the, the flamethrowers of, of the Tampa Bay Rays bullpen, really step up. Uh, Anderson and Fairbanks gave up runs. Loop pitched a perfect eighth, um, or a perfect inning, rather, and then Castillo came in with the punch out to end it. I love Diego Castillo. I think he's awesome. Um, so really, it was a really good formula for Tampa Bay to get a game two win. And I, I really thought it was going to be a must-win game, and I think the Rays tr- treated it as such, and I think that it, it treated them well. They had 10 hits, 6 runs, and they were able to, to get a win in Game 2 and even up this series, and it was really important to even up this series, especially because of what they have facing them tomorrow with Walker Bueller and Charlie Morton. Uh, I'll, I'll give my thoughts on preview of Game 3 coming up in just a minute, and then I will also talk about a move that I think the Cardinals will and could make in this offseason if they can't get a big ticket item. So all that coming up right after I tell you about the wonderful people at rockauto.com. It's a family business, so you like helping local people, serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com right now and shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. 
They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oils, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand, specifications, and prices that you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. Game three of the World Series is tonight, or excuse me, it's tomorrow night. Um, we have a, a rare off day in this October. Uh, the entire October has been full of no off days and uh, straight series, but we get an off day tonight, Thursday. Um, so enjoy your night off. Watch Thursday night football. Do whatever you want. Uh, well, that's not true. Don't do whatever you want. But <laughs> enjoy your night off. Relax a little bit. Excuse me. And uh, we will have baseball back tomorrow. And when we come back tomorrow, it's going to be a dandy of a game. You have Walker Bueller versus Charlie Morton in Game 3. Five-game series now. First to three now. Uh, wins the series, and I think this is an incredible Game 3 matchup. You have Walker Buehler, who in this postseason is 1-0 and four starts with an ERA of 1.89. And then you have Charlie Morton, who in this postseason is 3-0 with a minuscule ERA of .57 in 15 innings pitch. Um, they both had pretty good years, all things considered. Morton, they're both ERAs are a little bit, a little bit high, but pretty good years for the most part. But their postseason stats are really good, and I think this is going to be an absolute dandy of a game. And it's kind of interesting that the last time Charlie Morton took the mound in the postseason um, was to record the final out in Game 7 win over these Dodgers in 2017. Last time Bueller took his World Series start was Game 3. Um, it was a scoreless outing in 2018. Um, so these two guys know how to step up. Um, I, Walker Bueller and Charlie Morton I think are the two strongest postseason pitchers on each of these teams, at least in terms of starting. In Game 3, I think it's going to be, it might be whoever scores first wins, but I think it'll definitely be a pitcher's duel on Friday night, and I'm really looking forward to see what Walker Bueller and Charlie Morton bring to the mound in Game 3. I think it's going to be an incredible game to watch, and I think that the offenses are going to really have to, to, to scrap and claw for each and every run that they make, because it's going to be... Uh, a tough night to be an offensive player for the Dodgers or the Rays on Friday. And uh, I know that I wouldn't want to be uh, facing up against Walker Buehler or Charlie Morton at any point of any season, but especially October of 2020, that just does not seem like fun. So it'll be a good one. This is, this is really, really a toss-up, but I, I just I like what Charlie Morton brings to the table, and I like how he's pitched a little bit better, in my opinion, um, than Walker Bueller, uh, and I. Th- this might be my my fandom a little bit as me not wanting the Rays to win, or excuse me, not one of the Dodgers to win, but I, I'm going Rays in game number three. I really am. Uh, I think Charlie Morton pitches them to a game three win, and Rays are up two games to one with two more home games. I wouldn't want to be the Dodgers in that situation, not in the slightest. Uh, so that's my World Series game three prediction. I think the Rays win it. Um, 
I, I think I, I I think I picked I forget who I like specifically said on yesterday's show, but I, I picked the Rays in Game One, so that was a dud. Uh, I'm gonna say that I picked the Rays yesterday, so that's I'm one for one. <laughs> uh, but I'm going on the record and saying that the Rays win Game Two, or excuse me, win Game Three tomorrow night in Arlington. So um, tomorrow's show will be released uh, probably before the game, um, or or sorry, probably after the game uh, to give my reaction on that, and uh, so I'll be looking for tomorrow's show to be released after the World Series game so I can give my reaction and stuff like that. So the move that I want to talk to you guys about now before I let you go is one that I don't think is going to be super popular among Cardinals fans, and it's 100% not the, the, the top move that I think the Cardinals should make. But I think with, with, with how the Cardinals, other than the Goldschmidt and Ozuna trades in the last couple of years, how they have come short on really signing any impact bat and free agency or really making any other impact deal. Uh, I know that, you know, these are long shot deals, but they, they missed out on Harper. They missed out on Machado. They missed out on Goldschmidt. Or not Goldschmidt, I'm sorry, Stanton. Um, so with, well, with all these things in mind, I think a move that the Cardinals would realistically end up making, or two moves that I think they could realistically end up making and that they probably are going to pursue, are two free agents after two, 2020. They're both on the Dodgers. The first one I think is more so um, will be a last resort, and I think the, the, this first one's a little bit less likely. Justin Turner at third base. I know that, you know, I feel like I've watched him punish people in the postseason for so long as in a Dodger uniform. And, you know, my feelings towards him are probably a little bit negative, but I would not, you know, he, he's not one of those guys that I don't like so much that I wouldn't like to see him on the Cardinals. Like, yes, you know, Puig is someone that I do not want to see on the Cardinals because I just think he's arrogant, but that's my own opinion. Um, for example, I didn't like when they traded for John Lackey a number of years ago because I didn't like John Lackey. But you won a couple games and I can't complain, but but Justin Turner, my feelings towards him are just because he's on the Dodgers. I think he's he's a fine enough guy, and I think he'd be a really good addition at third base um, over Matt Carpenter. And again, this will all, I think most of this depends, or this move anyways depends on if they keep Wong. Because if they keep Wong, then I'm I'm satisfied. Uh, I know some of you guys have expressed interest in not, but I'm satisfied with Wong at second and Edmund at third. I know that third base is typically a little bit more of a power position, and I understand that. But I'm okay with, at least maybe for 2021, seeing if Edmund can bounce back and, and provide a little bit of, maybe not home run pop, but a little bit of pop, um, and at least a higher average than, than 220, which is what Carpenter's been giving you. Um, so I'm okay w- w- with that if they keep Wong. If they don't keep Wong, then I'm more than okay with Edmund at second base. I think he fits more of your prototypical second baseman. A little bit of speed, really good defense, and a contract a contact line drive hitter. And if that's the case, Justin Turner would be a great addition at third base. But the one I want to spend a little bit more time talking about is Jock Peterson. I know we I had Hayden on uh, on the show of STL Sports Central a couple weeks ago, and he he said he did like this move. And I understand that Jock Peterson. I don't think that he's you know one of the, the top tier free agents, uh, especially among outfielders when you have guys like Ozuna and Springer on the market this season. And again, I know Ozuna served as a DH, but I'm calling him an outfielder because he's been an outfielder his whole career. Um, but I think that you know, there's Jack Peterson is 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 not like he's he's a bum or he, it's not like he, he's a super low low guy. He, his numbers, at least especially the postseason, he seems to step up there for his career in the postseason. Is two fifty seven. I know that's not great, but eight home runs compared to his slash line of two thirty three thirty six and eight oh six OPS in, in the regular season. He's a left handed hitter. He he um, he's one of those guys that I think you can platoon him really well with. Tyler O'Neill, and I know I I've bashed Tyler O'Neill. I think the Tyler O'Neill experiment needs to be done again. This is not my number one move. My number one move, in my opinion, is sign 
signs Springer, put him in center, and move Bader to the left, or move Carlson to left, and sit Bader. That's my number one move. But I don't realistically think Springer's going to happen. So my next move is keep Carlson in center and platoon O'Neill slash Peterson, I guess slash Bader in left, uh, or maybe you you have Peterson and O'Neill starting left and right. But I, I don't I don't think Peterson would be a bad move. He, he's a left-handed pl- player. He's got some pop. Um, you know, if you look at his, his, his career, he's had a pretty good career for the most part. Came up in 2014, played 18 games. 15 is when he busted on the scene. His average is not great. I understand that. He strikes out, um, you know, strikes out more than the average guy. But I just think that if the Cardinals aren't going to make the, the big move to sign a Springer, to sign an Ozuna, to trade for an Arenado, Peterson might be the guy that the Cardinals fall on to platoon in left field and, and just a, a, another powerful left-handed bat that might pop a few home runs. So again, is, is it the preferred move? Probably not. I would rather them go after a bigger target, but if the, the bigger target misses, if they miss the bigger target, Jock Peterson is, is, is a comparable guy to, to fall back on and to, and to sign. And I would not be upset if they signed Peterson. And I, I, I'm pretty sure that Peterson is one of those guys that they're going to look after and go after in the offseason. So let me know your thoughts. Respond to my uh, Instagram post. Tweet me, LJFastball, LO underscore Cardinals. I'll be looking for tomorrow's episode to be released after the game on Friday night. So that's all I got for today's episode. Thanks for listening, ladies and gentlemen. As always, stay safe, stay well. Have a great day.